Listener discretion is advised. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. So this week, we have Carrie, which is Michelle's good friend. Hello. Hello. And this is our... Did you just sing that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I suspect there's going to be a lot of singing in All this right. episode. Because it's our teens episode. feeling holidays. Yep. It is our Christmas oh. episode. <laughs> Christmas is just next week, so we hope you uh, enjoy this episode. Uh, Carrie, mm. what do we have to drink today? We have a delicious... What do you call it? I don't know what you call it. It's fantastic. It's a peppermint vodka milkshake. Mm. And it is absolutely to die for. As far as holiday drinks go, this is one you must put on your menu. How did you make it? So I put ice cream and milk and a lot of vodka. (laughs) Peppermint vodka vodka, um, in a blender. Just blend it up. That's it. Three ingredients. That's all you need. Little hints. If you want it nice and thick, though, go easy on the milk. Yeah. I want a little hit. I guess we could put ice in it or something. Why do you put ice in a milkshake? To make it more, like, what? Oh my god, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just, that's weird putting ice in a milkshake. You're a dumb bitch. What are you even saying? (laughs) No, I'm just saying. It'll thicken it, though. Like, if you need to thicken it. Okay, I guess. (laughs) She's like, I guess if you like stupid ideas. If you're an idiot, you can put ice in it. I guess if you want to ruin Christmas, I suppose you'll put ice cubes in I it. I just never heard that before. We'll just well, refer just... to you as the Grinch from now on in yeah, this episode. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Aww. Oh, no, don't cry, Michelle. It's okay. I will cry. I've been crying okay. all day. It's fine. You're so okay. how do you guys two meet? Joel and Carrie have been friends for 6,000 years, I think. I'm not you, that old, Michelle. You were the best ma'am in our I wedding. Was. Aww. I so. was. I look better in a dress than Joel does. And yes, Thank I God. have seen her husband in a dress. What? I what? have. Yeah. No. Did you guys dress him up in it? How old was he? Possibly. Oh my yeah. God. We need all the details. There were right like now. hair clips and bows too. And oh, his dad, I thought he was going to murder me when he found us with Joel in the closet. I know it's oh, cliche. Oh. I know it's cliche now, but like back then it wasn't. <laughs> my sister and I took him in our closet and dressed him up and put like little bows and stuff. And he told me if I ever like found any pictures of that, he would murder me. So if I ever go up missing, we know it's why. because okay. I found pictures. All yeah. right. Well, so. let's hope not before you forward those pictures <laughs> on to me. If I find them, you will be the first person to get them. Okay. So you anything have a story. Else? Okay. So no, I, have... I don't have anything else. <laughs> So, I have a story, and then Carrie will... How many stories do you have? Oh, I have a few. Okay. Guys, they're short. I no, not that many. You can just feel free to, like, give me the old, oh, you're done. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll let you tell them all. We'll just edit no, it No, don't. Later. Please don't. True, Please yeah. don't let me tell them all. Um, There's too many words oh, in one of them. I was going to totally tell say something, and now I forget. We forgot to talk about the birthday cake shots. Oh, we did hmm. take the birthday cake shots as well. So, it's vanilla vodka... Pineapple juice and a little bit of grenadine, but then we changed it up and had a whipped vodka with the pineapple juice and grenadine, which Much I better. think was better. Yes. It was just sweeter. So if you want a sweeter shot, do that. If you don't want that of a sweet, I mean vanilla is vanilla vodka is pretty sweet itself already too, but the whipped is like yeah, it's a just lot like more sweeter. It was creamier. It was cakeier. Yeah, cakeier. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So that's so a really we, good. How shot. many do we have of those? Like three, four? I don't think and, we need to talk about it. 
And then the whipped really? and the I peppermint. I, mean, I have a lot of think, shots downstairs. I don't think we should put numbers. I feel like we should. On our because the shit that's coming out of my mouth <laughs> is not gold. You I know, know what I'm saying? Michelle had a lot. Okay. Well, I spilled our drinks over our keyboard, so it's now drying, and hopefully my boyfriend does not notice. <laughs> Hopefully he does not listen. Why does the R always stick? <laughs> it's going to be the entire row that sticks, not just the R. Oh, it's true. We spoke anyway, a lot. We did. Anyways, okay, let's get started. Let's you ready? get started, yes. So, this is a survival story, but it's kind of a mystery story as well. Oh, this is a very mystery. famous story, so you guys may know it, but this is about the Sauter family. I was like, is it about Scrooge? Because no. I've heard about Scrooge. She survived three ghosts, you know. It's a fictional... <laughs> All right, you're done. Okay. <laughs> Michelle's done. Have you heard of the Sauter family? No. no. Maybe want to get into it, you'll probably see it. So it's Christmas Eve, 1945. Oh, okay. It is Fayetteville, West Virginia. All right. George and Jenny have ten children. Dang. Oh, dear Lord. They well, it's a Sounds 40s. like a horror story already. <laughs> well, they have a farm. Oh, yeah, okay. you gotta right. be having yeah. kids left and right yeah. to buck hay. You have to and... keep up with those rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> they had their first child in 1923. So we have John, who's 23 now. Joe, who's in the military, so we don't quite know his age. Um, At least 18. Over 18. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marion, who's 17. George Jr., who's 16. Maurice, who's 14, Martha, 12, Louise, 9, Jenny, 8, Betty, 5, and Sylvia, 2 years old. You want to know what I'm not repeating? <laughs> okay. That fucking family. Yeah. If I take your notebook, can you say all those names? No. 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 All right. I checking. know that was a Maurice, a Louise, because I was going to... The Louise I got, yep. Yeah. And... Louis. Louise. Or Louise. was a girl. No, it's Louis. It's a oh, boy. Oh, said... there's Louis. No, I said Louis. You said Louise. Do I? You did you say. Did. I'm so sorry. It's Louis. Who is nine? Maybe there's Lewis and Louise. And no. Sylvia. Or there's who's two. Two. Sylvia who's two. And she was born in 1943. Fucking nailed it. Killed Anyway, already. So Christmas <laughs> Eve, Marion works at a dime store in the downtown area and surprised her younger three kids with toys from her work. Aw, fun. So they are super excited about Christmas and the new toys, and they ask their mom if they could stay up past their bedtime that night. She's like, hell no. I got 10 kids going to sleep. Mama needs a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Or 12. Well, she agreed as long as the two oldest boys were awake, who were John and George Jr. Oh, so she's hitting the sack. Yeah. She's going to bed. John 23. George Jr., who's 16. So those are the two oldest. So the two what oldest... <laughs> the two oldest uh, fed the chickens and put the cows away. And then they went to bed, so all the other kids went to bed as well. Joel and I fight about who's going to put the chickens away almost every single There's night. There's no fighting. It's always me when we... Yeah, it's always me. It's I would say... always me. Why is it always I me? like to say it's about two-thirds me. Um, but Joel would probably be like, bitch, that ain't true. That's yeah, well, we all know me. of the two of you. We're going to believe you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Carrie. You're See, welcome. this is why we're friends. Yes. Aww. Because I've known Joel long enough to call him on his bullshit. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> so, the parents are immigrants from Italy. They're part of an Italian community in Fayetteville. So, there's a little uh, Italian like little community. Italy, like yeah, little Italy. I mean, okay. yeah, there's a lot of immigrants there from Italy. I imagine there's a lot of sausages hanging up. 12.30 a.m., <laughs> phone rings, and Jenny wakes up and answers the phone. Is it, Jenny the mom? Yes. Okay. 
There's Jenny and then Jenny who's 18. Who's Let's eight. just say mom Sorry. and Jenny then. Okay. Then mom. Mom wakes up and answers the phone and it was a woman asking for someone she didn't recognize. Then the lady started laughing and then had glass clinking in the background. So is it like a party? <laughs> like or no, no, she just heard her voice laughing after she's like, no. So Jenny said, you have the wrong number and hung up. Okay. Wait, is this back when there were party lines? You no, said it was the 20s, no, right? I, no, it was the 40s. 40s. Oh, the 40s. Mm-hmm. I think so, they still n- had party lines. Maybe. Like, they had to share telephone lines. But it, maybe. I don't know. That's irrelevant. Forget it. Carrie. So, <laughs> so heading back to bed. I'm going to get beat up before the end of this. <laughs> she totally is. Keep going. Uh, so heading back to bed, Jenny noticed that all the lights downstairs are on and the curtains were open and the door was unlocked. So she was a little curious, but then she saw Marion asleep on the couch in the living room. So she just assumed that the kids just went to bed. Were completely irresponsible. Well, how old is Marion? is 17. That's the one oh. that works at the dime shop. Okay. All right. So she snuck in after hanging out with the boyfriend. Got it. No. <laughs> you don't um, know that. So she shut off the lights, locked the door, drew the curtains, and went back to bed. She's so, like those damn kids. I can't trust them to do anything. As she was falling back asleep, she heard a loud bang on the roof and then a rolling noise as it fell off the roof. And she's like, and she kept listening and like nothing else happened. So she's like, it must have been maybe an acorn or something. Acorns oh, it's, do not make loud bangs and then roll down she, the roof. It's more like a You plate. know, I don't know. <laughs> I was so, like, is it Santa? <laughs> Hannah, oh my god. This is a tired woman. It is Christmas Eve, yeah. The house didn't blow up. I'm gonna fucking go back to sleep. It's Christmas Eve. I'm sorry. I've seen the Santa Claus. Santa Uh, Claus roofs. Anyways, an hour later, Jenny then wakes up again. But this time, she wakes up to smoke filling her room. Oh, okay. Both Jenny and George grabbed Sylvia, who was in the crib in their room downstairs. Okay. And they ran and yelled for the children to get out of the house. Get out, get out, get out. Yep. So, George looked to see who got out. Marion, John, and George Jr., plus Sylvia... Marion was on the couch, and John and George shared a room upstairs, and they both fled. So they're like, there's smoke, there's fire, let's get out of here. Yeah. Okay. So George thought that the younger five were cowering upstairs in their room, because they shared the room. Did he go back in? Oh, God. Of course he did. Of course he did. Of course he did. George breaks a window and slices up his arm, but he couldn't see through the smoke and fire. The fire already engulfed the downstairs and the stairway, so he couldn't get back up the stairs. Oh, jeez. He then raced around the house to get the ladder he always has against the house to get to the kids' window. Weirdly, Weirdly enough, the ladder was gone. What? And he couldn't find it. Then he had an idea to drive one of his two trucks to climb up onto... And reached to the window. Okay, so he's going to park the truck. Yeah, under the window. Yep. Climb up. Break the window and get them out. Too bad he doesn't have a stair car like in Arrested yeah. Development. So he uh, tries. Handy. <laughs> he tries both trucks. They do not start. What? Yeah. All right. This oh. is way too much planning that's gone into this. So then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna try to put out the fire with the water barrel, but it's frozen. So all the water is so frozen. So he's just reaching dead end after dead end after so dead end. So screwed right now. Yeah. So bleeding and his voice lost from screaming their names to get out, he's running out of ideas. Oh. 
As this is happening, Marianne runs uh, to a neighbor's house to call the fire department, but couldn't get an operator to respond. Oh. The neighbor, frustrated, drove into town to find the fire chief, who then started a phone tree, having each fireman call another and another to get to the house. Okay. So the fire department was two and a half miles away from the house, but they did not show up until 8 a.m. the next morning. Okay, what? wait a minute. This was at like 1230 at night? Correct. And so they're like two one. and a half miles. They could have jogged and been there in like 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Well, they saw that phone tree. Wow. Well, yeah, still, it's still going. Once, <laughs> once the next guy's called, you hang up the phone and you run your ass to the house. Like, this is not hard. <laughs> I'm just going to sit and wait until yeah. the eighth person on the phone tree calls me back. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? So, Carrie is not impressed. I am not. I am not impressed with this fire department at all. So by that time, the house was nothing. It was all in piles of ashes. Oh, oh the kids are all dead. Heartbroken about their five children, a brief search of the grounds. There are five left. But there's what? no remains of the children. What? They did not find bones. They did not find anything of the kids. What? The fire chief suggested that the blaze was so hot that it completely cremated the bodies. Oh. The police inspector told the family that the fire was started by faulting wiring, and the coroner's office issued five death certificates saying that the cause of the death was fire or suffocation. Oh. But something was not sitting right with the Solder family. Oh, shit. Now thinking back, there was a few weird things that happened leading up to the fire. The first thing was the kids never screamed or yelled out the window. They never heard anything from the kids. A few months earlier before was it the- Was those little bastards that they said it? Did they said it? They're like, they we're said done it. with my parents. We're going to burn them in oh, our beds. Oh, my God. A few months Little earlier, <laughs> a stranger came by the house asking about holing work. Um, and as they're in the back Wait, of the asking about what? Holing? 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 Oh, my God. Holing work. Sorry. Holing. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Holing work. Sorry. Holing work. Got it. No need to say. Uh, okay. <laughs> and as they... Go to the back of the house. The stranger pointed out two different fuse boxes and said, this is going to cause a fire someday. Oh, George, okay, wait, wait, wait. Stop. So, can you just repeat that whole part? So I got caught We up got a little distracted was, by the holding. I'm sorry. Like, I was <laughs> trying to fault. imagine what holding was. <laughs> holding! I was thinking, uh, like, digging holes, maybe. <laughs> that's what no, I No, so, Thank a guy you. came over and asked if he had any work to do. And so they were in the back of the house, and he pointed out two different fuse boxes and says, that's going to cause a fire someday. So randomly, Aww. this guy who's there to do other stuff opens yeah. up, because they're not open. So he goes and opens a fuse box. And he didn't say he opened it. He just, he just saw it. They're not, like, hanging out. I well, mean, well, this, this is that's the 45, hella suspicious. so maybe I'm just is. saying. Carrie's so already I'm edge. like, I don't, I don't believe this guy at all. So George thought that was weird because the power company already checked them and said they were fine. Mm. Hmm. So around so sketchy as well. <laughs> around the same time, a different man came by and tried to sell the family life insurance. George declined, wow. and the man got very angry and stated, "Your goddamn house is going to go up in flames, and your children are going to be destroyed. If you're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have made about a Mussolini," George was like because he really had heated arguments about the dictator with other people in the Italian community around the house. Oh, so yeah, they're Italian. I'm yeah. like, where's Mussolini? <laughs> <laughs> they're 
rebellion. So, yeah. <laughs> he didn't take his threats seriously because he's like, meh. You're an insurance um, salesman. What the hell do you know? And also, one of the boys noticed before Christmas that a man parked along the U.S. Highway 21 and watched the younger kids as they came home from school. So, Jenny conducted an experiment herself with chicken bones, beef joints, and pork chop bones. And she's going to burn the shit out of them and see if they get mm-hmm. creamy. Mm-hmm. That's what she's doing. And she sure did. And she still had bones remaining. She talked to an employee at the cre- crematorium, and the employee told her that bones still remain after a body is burned for two hours at 2,000 degrees, oh, and their crap. house burned down within 45 minutes. So there oh. would have been bones there. So That's what she they did not say. do her homework well. So, I was totally going to tell a story, and now I've com- forgotten the story. Sorry. <laughs> and I don't... Yeah. What was it going to be Did you about? burn some people? Do you want to confess? No, I haven't burned anyone. Yet. Alive. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that qualifier. Oh. Jeff, for the record, is still alive today. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking barely. <laughs> barely. He almost bit it. And he saying. deserves it. Every that, that is also it. true. Yes. So here are even more odd and very suspect things that happened. So an electrician said that their lines were cut, not burned. So their Mm. power lines were cut, not burned. So the faulty wiring may have not actually been true because even though the fire was still going, they still saw their Christmas lights on. Oh, wow. See, that's just sloppy. If you're going to do it, take a lighter to the wires and, like, sit there and let them burn through. Well, see, this was back when there was very little forensics, I'm sure. Right, right. People got rid of or got away with it. Right, if you're going to do it. Not that I would, because I know I would, I told, no. Have the kids been kidnapped? Okay, I'm sorry. No, the kids are in on it, clearly. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. A witness saw a man leave the scene of the fire. I remember my story. With a block and tackle that are used to removing car engines. Because remember, his car didn't move. Right. They took the whole engine out? I don't know. Okay, that seems excessive. Also, the two-year-old Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard and George said it was a pineapple bomb, which is used to warfare. So remember the heavy thing that fell oh, on the roof? Oh, grenade. Maybe. Possibly. So, also, a woman claims that she saw the children peeking out of a car while the fire was in progress. Those so little bastards. Another woman at a tourist shop between Fayetteville and Charleston, 50 miles west, Said that she even served them breakfast the next morning and said that there was a car in the parking lot with Florida plates. Hmm. Wow. Then another woman staying at a Charleston hotel saw the four of the five children a week after the fire with two men and two women, Italian people. Um, And... It was probably the mafia. Yeah. Because she noticed the kids because now the pictures are in the newspaper. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. It is now 1947, now two years after the fire, and George and Jenny are not giving up. They sent a letter to the FBI and received a response from J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, okay. I want those kids back. I'd be like, you little shits burned my house down well, no, and tried to escape I mean, me. It was probably the insurance agents, and then they kidnapped All right, the okay. Kids. Well, if they're kidnapped, that's one thing. But, but the kid was burning bones. She no. was in on it. No, the kid wasn't burning bones. Yes, wasn't it one of the kids who was no, burning No, no, the mom, Jenny. The mom. Oh, the mom. Oh. Yeah. Just to see 
okay. if the, got it. the bones yeah. would actually gotcha. be okay. cremated. All right, never yeah. mind. Maybe the kids are okay. So he got a re- so he responded to them saying he wanted to help, but it seemed like a local matter. But they said they would help if they got permission from the local authorities. But both the police department and the fire department declined. So what? they turned and hired a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley. C.C. Tinsley is going to yes. come in and fucking save the day. I can tell tell. Is C.C. a I, guy or a girl? I don't know. I just said tell Let's so. just imagine that it's a girl and that she's totally going to solve Most likely it. it's a male because it's the 1940s. Shush! Do I'm not spoil my... Sorry. Oh, okay. Caitlin. Empowerment. Tinsley discovered that the insurance salesman was actually a member of the coroner's jury that, did, that deemed the fire accidental. Oh, that's handy. Mm-hmm. They also find out that he heard rumor, or they found rumors about the fire chief and ended up that he found a heart at the scene and buried it. What? So he convinced the fire chief to dig it up, and they did. They found a box with a heart in it, but it turned out to be beef. What's a heart in a box? That doesn't happen now. Well, Well, it turned out to be. and Snow White does. Okay, that's a fairy tale. (laughs) Just let's be clear. It turned out to be beef liver. And there are rumors that they were hoping that if they found some remains, that they would stop the investigation. Oh, the so maybe one. bury the remains not in a box. Under, like, yeah. wow. And maybe have it be bones and not perhaps like a liver. Like a liver that, that be... would have burned up. Yeah. Well, Clearly. yeah, it was untouched, so it was not. Oh, it wasn't burns. even. They These couldn't even pop amateurs. a lighter on yeah. it, like around the edges. That's how you know it's not the mafia. Come on, guys. I don't know about that. The mafia does it way better. (laughs) Hashtag disagree. In 1949, so this is now four years after Mm -hmm. the fire, the Sauter family decided to do a new search of the scene and brought in a pathologist named Oscar B. Hunter. And he found coins, a dictionary, and several shards of vertebrae. He takes it to the Smithsonian, which I found most of this information on. The oh. Smithsonian. Um, is that a museum? Institute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have an institute. Also research. Oh, and they found sense. that it was consistent of a four lumbar vertebrae belonging to an individual around 16 or 17. Ooh. So the youngest, oh. the oldest one that was there was 14. So they said they it could... I mean, if he was developed more, he could have so that. So they actually found human remains then? Yeah, just vertebrae. Because hmm. when the vertebrae, when you get older, around 20, 22, 23, they fuse. Mm-hmm. It was unfused. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it was a younger person. So, but it showed no evidence that it was exposed to fire. Oh, so they oh, just found the vertebrae. Planted. Yeah. <gasps> mm-hmm. Did they murder him Wow. They murdered somebody. Oh. <laughs> or upsetting. stole the body from a morgue. I hope that's See, the case. Then they're already dead. It's fine. And that brings up that there were still no other bones found, just those little shards of vertebrae that were no, no evidence burned. Of... Right, they were not burned. So the governor and the police superintendent told the sod the Sodders that the the search was hopeless and they closed the case. It was over. Mm. The Sodder family bought a billboard along Route 16 and passed out flyers offering $5,000 reward for information to recovering of their kids. They then increased it to $10,000. George traveled the, over the United States searching every lead that came in but came up short. Oh, my goodness. 
1968, more than 20 years after the fire, the family received an envelope addressed to Jenny, the mom, and was postmarked in Kentucky, but no return address. Mm. Inside the envelope was a photo of a man in his mid-20s. On the back, handwritten, said, Louis Sauter. <gasps> I love Brother Frankie, I-L-I-L, boys, A90132, or 35. It was hard to distinguish. What the fuck is that on the back? I don't understand that. It was it was a code, and oh. so they tried to decode it. It looked just like him. So he was, so he was nine, so now he's in his mid-20s. Oh, my it's been 20 oh, years it's, later. Oh, my gosh. He'd be like, he'd be 29. Yeah. So he hired, they hired a private investigator to go to Kentucky and investigate it, but they never heard from the PI again. What? Oh, someone. It's just like them. mystery in every single circumstance right? of this story. So they updated the billboard with the picture that they got from the envelope, and they even enlarged it and put it over their fireplace. Oh, that's just sad. <laughs> they miss their kids. Yeah. A year later in 1968, George passes away. Oh. And in night So with five of the kids still gone? Yeah, five of the kids are still gone. Okay. And in 1989 Jenny passes away. The five oh. siblings continued to investigate even the grandkids cuz they had grandkids as well. Oh investigated God. the theories. They had theories of their own which one was either it was the Italian mafia mm-hmm. and there was something going on with George maybe. It was the like mob. they approached him and he declined. Or something like that. Or maybe his remarks to Mussolini. Um, someone that they knew probably maybe took the kids. Don't know why. Or the kids wanted to protect the family. So maybe they were taken. They didn't reach out to their family because they didn't want them that to get... That seems logical. It's like, if tr- you tell or if you we'll try to your reach parents, out, yeah. we're killing everybody. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That seems to be a very... Common. Uh, common. Predators uh, attack. Yes. Or, well said. Tactic. We've heard that a lot. Tactic. Yeah. Yeah. As of 2015, Sylvia is the last living of the children of that night. She's now six. Well, she was 69 in 2015. So she's in her 70s now. But that fire was the earliest memory she had at two years old. She says she remembers seeing her dad bleeding because he cut his arm on the window. And remember seeing and remember hearing everyone screaming the Mm. kid's name. She remembers staying up late at night with her dad trying to solve this mystery about what happened to their siblings. All the children believe that the kids were still alive and did not die in the fire. Um, There has been books. There has been so many videos, so many podcasts that cover this story, trying to figure out what actually happened. Um, So you can look at pretty much if you just type in Sodder Family, S-O-D-D-E-R, um, you'll get a lot of different information. Of wow. Yeah, so people think that they did die in the fire, but they said they wouldn't be surprised if they found out that they didn't. I mean, so it's just so up in the air, and especially with all those... So nobody knows still? Nobody knows still. Kids? Oh my God. Oh, if the kids crazy. are alive or not, but five did survive. Um, so they say in the fire. I mean, I mean, like five did survive because they were outside, but the other five... We still don't know. The mystery is still unsolved to today. So it's very quite interesting. I want to know what happened with that picture. Like where that picture came from and what the code is all about. I know, right? It was probably coordinates. It's probably like... Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm sure they looked at that. Or if they did, it was only through the military. 
wasn't for everybody. Exactly. So, unfortunately, it's not, I mean, it's a survival story, but part of it's like a mystery, still not knowing what happened to the other five kids. Kaylin, I'm going to rage quit this Why? whole thing. Isn't it interesting, Look, though? We expect well, closure yeah. from your stories. Usually there are, but there's not this time. No, there sure isn't. Mm-hmm. But it's a Christmas mystery. How is it a Christmas mystery? Because it all happened on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Okay, but it's... They went missing on Christmas. Like, oh, all right, fine. They went missing on Christmas. And Where's they're still missing. Spirit, you have to You have to wrap these things up with well, a nice little bow. Well, I'm assuming they are dead now because Sylvia's the last living one because, you know, it was a long she was time two. ago. Yeah. Wait, okay, so was it the younger half or the older half that went missing? The younger half, but the two-year-old was in a crib in the parents' room, so they okay, scooped so her they up. Okay, so two-year-old. So it's like the yeah. middle five or the younger to yep. middle five. Uh-huh. It's just, so they could still be alive out there somewhere. It's yeah, true. Caitlin, they could still be alive. They should have come forward when their parents died, though. Well, like, well that's thing too. See, maybe they, they just did die in the fire, or if they were like brainwashed or something, and maybe they weren't. They maybe now they're they members were. of the mafia, and they've killed enough people that there's all this dirt maybe. on them, and so they can't come forward. So the five that were missing were Maurice, who was fourteen; Martha, who was twelve; Louis, who was nine; Jenny, who was eight; and Betty, who was five. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. I hope that's craziness. Somewhere. I know, right? But like, all the weird things in the beginning, all the weird things in the... I mean, it just seems it was odd. The guy. I'm wondering yeah. how that would play out now. Like, I don't think... Like, I, well, forensic files would right. be all over that. I'm sure. <laughs> this just would not fly. Right. You'd be like, it was the like, insurance guy. No. Yeah. You're, you're done. You're and we found all your kids. Here they are. <laughs> Maybe. Aw. Sad. I know, but interesting though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted something that where Christmas Closure saves the is day. Good. I tried. No. Yes. Okay. Carrie, <laughs> I know you have a lot of stories. Let's hear it. None of them have anything to do with Christmas because it's a Christmas episode. Listen, I can no, you can't rage quit my notebook. Give it back. I tried. I tried. Oh, like I have a hold on death grip on this thing. I can't function without my notes. No, I try. I like. I tried right. for no, days. No, it's okay. I appreciate. I appreciate everything. Do Alaska done. survival stories count? Because you know Alaska? North Pole, Santa. Sure. Like I mean, was there's it snow in the involved? Was there an elf there? All right. Well, wait. What? I have a lot of super short stories. Right. You've got some animal stories, well, I have correct? Some animal stories, yeah. Now, the reason you have animal stories is because you have an amazing Freaking nonprofit. Zoo? Yeah. Also <laughs> because I have a zoo. <laughs> so tell us about your nonprofit a little bit while we're still. Oh, all right. I'm not well, we're still. At all. No, none of us are sober. No, we're, that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I have a nonprofit horse and large animal rescue. It's called Second Chance Ranch. We do have a website. It's Second Chance Ranch NW for Northwest.org. So come and check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, How many horses have you rescued so far? We don't need to talk about it. No, (laughs) 60. Oh my gosh. No. How many horses do you have right now? Six? So on my property right now, I have seven horses. One of them is my sister's. So it doesn't count. It doesn't Mm -hmm. count. It's my sister's. Um, Four of the horses were given to me, um, people that just life circumstances made it so they couldn't take care of their horses and they wanted them to go to a nice loving home. Mm -hmm. Yes, which when you're out breaking ice off their water buckets and feeding those naughty boys grain, you realize, yes, I am a loving home. I don't eat this well. (laughs) I don't have a water. I guess I do. It's called a tea kettle. But I don't have a water warmer. No, it's it's just to keep the ice from forming. It helps, by the way, if you plug them in. Uh, Yeah, I found that out this morning. 
Um, I also have 14 goats and a random assortment of uh, chickens and ducks. Oh, guess what my ducks are doing? Oh, gosh. (laughs) So I have four Muscovy ducks. And I was in the barn taking care of the horses, and I hear this god-awful racket on the roof. I'm like, either Santa is drunk and he's here already, or something's going down up there. I hope it's Santa. It was not Santa, (laughs) but it was my ducks, I kid you not, cleaning out my gutters. They go go along the gutters, and they eat all that slimy, nasty crap that collects in the gutters. Oh, my God. I'm going to borrow your ducks. I'm trying to come up with like a rental system. Like you can rent my ducks. And I know we need your, your, your goats to take care of our blackberry bushes yeah. and your ducks to take care of our gutters. We right. have ducks. Exactly. Though. Our ducks don't clean out the gutters. They just quack at us really <laughs> See, and Muscovies do not quack. So I have oh. silent ducks that clean gutters. Well, I like the little quacks. Our, <laughs> oh, well, I have two other goats. Or goats. Oh my God. I have two other ducks that won't stop quacking. Oh, I, so, yeah. No, seriously, like. Because we don't let our ducks out until like 8 or 9 in the morning or our chickens in ducks, you know, because it's so early and we live in a neighborhood and there's roosters and they start crowing like <laughs> ASAP. So I try not to have it be too early, but we'll let the dogs out at 630 in the morning and I'll be like, Goose, get back here. And all you guys is right, right, right. ducks like, let me out, bitch. <laughs> I know you're me? up. I heard you. <laughs> I'm ready for some food. <laughs> Anyways, well, right. note. <laughs> All right, okay, so... Animal story numero really, uno. Really, really, really short stories. Um, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start with the horse story Aww. because I have horses and I love horses. And this is about a horse named Pokey. 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 Pokey the horse was pretty much ignored. He was just put out to pasture, Aww. and his owners didn't really do much with him. So they used to, like, let him eat grass yeah, and sleep they just sleep threw him outside. out in the pasture, and he was just on his own. Well, Aww, close to the property, there was a young person who rented, like, an old RV. Not an RV, but, in, like, an old mobile home. And this young person fell in love with this horse and mm. contacted the owners and said, you know, hey, um, I would be happy to just make sure your horse is okay and take care of your horse. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Turns out I love Pokey. <laughs> so, so this young person made friends with Pokey and basically taught themselves how to ride Pokey. Mm. Uh, they didn't have any tack, so they just jump on bareback and take off in a halter and Pokey was very patient and very nice and would occasionally look back at him like, what the hell did you just do? That's not how you ride me. I love Pokey already. But would be patient. <laughs> and so as they developed this relationship, Pokey and this, this, I'm assuming it was an older teenager. They didn't actually say in the story. Um, the teenager decided I'm going to contact the owners again and ask if I can take Pokey off the property. I'd like to ride Pokey, you know, more than just in the pasture. And they said, you know, okay, look, you sign all these legal documents basically saying you'll never sue us no matter what happens to you. And sure, you can ride a horse off the property. So the Hmm. teenager did. Did they know a little something that this poor little teenager did not? Well, according to the, uh, well, let's just say, yeah, David. So according (laughs) to what David had to say about these owners, they were super obnoxious, loud, know-it-all, they always had to dominate Pokey at any time they came near the horse. It was, you know, mm. let's show him who's boss kind of an attitude. Aww. And he just, he didn't care for the owners at all. Um, so he was willing to sign whatever. I don't care. I just, I love I just Pokey. Pokey. I just want to get Pokey out of here. I just want to take my buddy and go on some trail rides. So he signed all the paperwork. 
took Pokey off the property, found a nice little lake that he would go to and kind of hang out under a tree by this lake. That's how you And it. yes, just <laughs> super nice and relaxing. And he said, you know, I just remember one day just laying there under the tree next to Pokey, looking at the clouds, listening to the birds, and it was just so peaceful. And I just drifted off to sleep. And the next thing I hear is thud right next to my head. I startle awake, I open my eyes, and I turn my head, and I see Pokey's hoof come down about an inch from my face. <gasps> and then again, thud, thud. As he's freaking out, thinking this horse is trying to kill me, he suddenly realizes that next to his face, about an inch away, is a now mangled copperhead snake. <gasps> Pokey oh, saved his Pokey life. saved his life. He was watching out for him. <laughs> And he was not about to let that snake get his little buddy. Oh, Pokey, I love yeah. you even more. Pokey, just the best horse ever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so that's my first I seriously good. totally got this. I'm always a little bit intimidated of horses. I've never ridden horses. Oh, I've, horses I've are the best. I rode a horse like one time when I was six or something. I don't think that counts. But, I mean, they're just so large and can yeah. kick you in the face, as they, you know. That I, was a donkey. For the record. She got kicked straight in the face. It did kick me in the face and gave me the gnarliest black eye. I've got a picture of it. So do I. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually amazed it's like healed and gone. You know, there's actually still like a little bump in here where I think possibly a bone chip may have. Anyways, that's a different story all together. So you survived your own donkey. I survived my donkey. Pokey. I love you. Yes, but Pokey was not a donkey. Pokey was a very sweet horse. Anyways, so yeah, that story made me happy. So Aww, I had to tell it. That's a good one. Um, all right. So I have one more really, really short horse story. Okay. okay. And I'll just boil this one right down to the bare fact. So there was a 21-year-old in the UK who worked with uh, racehorses. He trained racehorses and loved horses. And one day he got kicked in the back by a horse. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he was pretty sure his back wasn't broken, but he had a lot of pain. So he thought, should just go get checked out. Yeah. Sounds like a good thing to do. I'd be like, I'll just walk it off. Yeah. Rip some dirt mm-hmm. on it. Call it good. All right. Clearly, you've never been kicked by ours. <laughs> no, I have not. It hurts. I never want to be kicked. No, it's, it's not good. So he's thinking, all right, well, my back's a little sore. I'll just go down to the local hospital oh and see God, what's up. Oh, my completely shattered. No. No. He did not have any lasting injury from the horse but because he went and visited the hospital they discovered a very aggressive advanced case of testicular cancer <gasps> so the horse saved, the him horse saved his life by kicking him oh in the God. back <laughs> and sending him to the er <laughs> turns out they removed a three and a half inch long tumor like how do you not notice that in your junk anyways <laughs> yeah okay so but he lived because the horse kicked him in the back. I think that's a coincidence. Just... You know? like, I don't think that horse is like, no nah, man, I got you. The horse was not like, I got your back, yeah. literally. Yeah, Let me exactly. just kick it, and then you'll be fine. No, yeah. I don't. I think you're right. That yeah. was a coincidence. He was probably yeah. being grumpy because of the testicular cancer. And it was the like, dude, was you're like, sick. Get away from me. I've had fucking Bam. Yeah. I'm sure. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> next one. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. All right. <laughs> So this story is about Eugene, the 21-year-old co-pilot with the 394th Bombardment Squadron during World War II. Okay. So Eugene is stationed in Fiji, 
doesn't sound like too tough a gig to me. Yeah, PG seems Waiting delightful. To, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, kind of they're in a nice little routine. They work on the planes, they hang out in the sun. You know, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, so while they're waiting for orders to go and fight, get some action, they decide to build an officer's club. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they were getting really excited because they were going to have uh, 10 days leave coming up for the combat crews. And they were just going to hang out in the officer's they're just, club? Yeah, they're just going to chill in the officer's club. Okay. In okay. the meantime, when it said he was, he was a little bit nerdy, a little artistic, um, pretty tall. Uh, they said he fit in pretty well, although some of his more uh, obscure literary references kind of made him feel like he talked down a bit to the rest of the guys. It was a little oh. condescending. He didn't mean to. I know right. some people help like it. that. I.e. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, all right. So he did. He wrote some poems. He wrote some songs. I don't he, write poetry, just to be clear. Just, you know. That we know talented. of that she shared like, yeah. we don't know. well I had to like for assignments did I kill poetry yeah I did like a baller but did I enjoy it no I didn't oh my goodness alright okay so he was the co-pilot um so for let's see who was Ripley okay yeah so he was a co-pilot for Bill Ripley okay so Ripley and Eugene are they're, they're a team. together okay yeah so when we talk about Ripley we're talking about Eugene Okay. He's on the same plane. And the other team that we're going to talk about, um, their two B-17s, was piloted by Cap- uh, Captain John Britton. Mm. So Britton's plane is one plane, Ripley's team, or Ripley's plane I feel plane like is Captain plane. John Britton is probably very dashing. I oh. feel like maybe a James Bond precursor. Yeah, exactly. Like Just based rolling in with his... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aviator shades and bomber jacket, and is ready just to in Fiji be awesome in the like, world. I mean, how He's much probably just hit it with get? some island girl. Are you talking about Top Gun again, Michelle? Yes, always. <laughs> All right, you're done. Okay, so occasionally these uh, these bomber teams would be sent out on um, search missions, and they're basically practice missions. They weren't actually searching for much of anything, although if they found something, you know, enemy they ships, whatever, back. they had to report. Obviously, yes. Um, okay, so um, they were pretty routine, happened a lot. It was not unusual for them to come back a little bit late. Mm, okay. But on one of these afternoon excursions, just afternoon, a mostly discernible coded message came in from Britain's plane indicating he had encountered some extreme weather and he was diverting to Espiritu Santo. Uh, nothing was heard from the other B-17, so the ship, the plane Eugene is on. Uh, so Ripley was expected back around 1630. Do you know what time that is? 4.30? Yes! Good job, Michelle! All right. Uh, when another hour had passed and the people waiting on the ground were getting a little more anxious, straining to hear the sound of approaching engines, they were now starting to watch the sky. They were getting a little nervous, like, okay, this this is a bit long. Um, there was general relief when Ripley's B-17 finally landed at 1745. A jeep was dispatched to bring the officers back to operations, but the non-plus driver returned to explain that Ripley, Eugene, and Jacobs refused the ride and were walking back. Wow. Ah, okay. Yeah. So now we're going to get to why they decided to walk. I would like to know that. Yeah. So about 600 miles into the outward leg of their search, they had encountered what Ripley called a dull gray wall rising from the ocean and stretching as far as they could see. What? 
I'm like, ooh. Ripley yeah. said, I'd never seen a tropical front like that one. And he oh, figured. It was a storm? Yes. And he figured oh. he should have turned back. But because the front was dull gray and not black, and the weather forecast had predicted moderate conditions, he pushed on, trying unsuccessfully to find a hole in the forbidding gloom. So we plunged into it, he continued. For the first half hour, there was a turbulence to be expected, with the plane yawing and rising and falling in bumps. The rain was coming down in solid sheets. I'd be barfing in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. And the engines began to sputter. Then a strong updraft caught us and took us from 500 feet up to 7,000 feet (gasps) altitude. What? I can't even imagine what that would be like. Like, that is some Wizard of Oz shit right there. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Like, where's the witch? We're all going to (laughs) die. Then a strong... Yeah. So, although both Rod and I were pushing the sticks full forward. So, they're fighting to go down. They're like, they're going nose down. And they go from 500 feet to 7,000 feet in altitude. Whoa. Then, just as suddenly... They went downward while they both reversed the sticks, holding them back against their stomachs as far and as hard as they would go. So So now they're trying desperately to to go up, and they're just nosediving straight down. In the nose of the plane, navigator Joe Jacobs was on the roof of his cabin. So he's, like, plastered the roof now because there is no gravity at this point. Yeah, because don't they sit up there? Yeah. Like... The what? navigators, like, sit in the nose of the plane. So he's, okay. like, down. It, he's yeah. still in the plane. But now instead of sitting in a seat, he's, like, chunk back up against the top of the cabin. Oh, like, okay. um, my feet are not reaching the floor right now. <laughs> oh, this seems gosh. a little not okay to me. Yeah, okay. So he's, like, hanging out on the roof. Um, <laughs> said, I'm sitting on nothing and trying hard to reach the floor with my feet. So he's stuck. He's, like, to the ceiling. Yeah. Like, Bombardier James Kyle had been out of the nose and was now unable to get back there. So he wedged himself between the pilot seats. So he's like, uh-huh. okay, at least I can stay in one spot now. Yeah. Engineer Harry Scotitas was, and I quote, dodging the ammunition boxes and ammunition <gasps> belts and D-rations and junk that came flying through the air from one end of the plane to the other. Oh, so just all the <laughs> There's stuff just they debris had on like board. flying past their heads oh, wow. and going everywhere. Yeah. The altimeter had dropped to zero when Kyle had the terrifying experience of looking past Gene to see a wall of water <gasps> and spray whipping the cockpit windows. So they are in the They're ocean now, now headed straight for the ocean. Oh, like, oh no. they've got the sticks pulled to their stomachs. Nothing is stopping From 7, them. From 7,000 feet? Yeah, straight oh. down. Just bam. This is barfdastic. Yeah. Then, as if by some miracle, the B-17 straightened out just above the water, and they punched through the front. <gasps> I've got goosebumps again. Ripley concluded that there was a cushion of air right on top of the water that saved him. Oh. He was reported to say, I will go over a strong Jap air base any day, but never through a tropical front like that again. <laughs> Jean said, I was just surprised to get out of the storm alive. Yeah. Yeah, well, no shit. Holy cow. <laughs> the three left to make their way uphill to the officer's club on foot. They're like, they never said, getting in a plane again. We just want to feel ground. Ground, oh, ground is what, God. yeah, ground. No jeeps, no planes, ground. The interesting thing about this story really isn't so much the story, but that Gene of this story is actually Gene Roddenberry, the man who what? Star Trek? invented Star Trek. Like, wrote all the, yes, that was... Gene Roddenberry. I have even more goosebumps. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. That's like, awesome. what? Gene Roddenberry was in the military? 
and he almost died? This is amazing! I mean, I'm glad he lived, clearly, because I'm a Star Trek fan. Yeah. So, yeah. so they did crash into the ocean, but they made it they out? They did not. No, so like, they as they, like, they were so close to the ocean uh -huh. that spray was literally blasting yeah. the, wind, the window but of the plane. But they pulled up and... It was, they, yes, they, I mean, they had been pulling up the whole time right, and nothing right, was right. working, but he said there was, like, a, an air pocket oh, somehow right. right above the water that just caught the plane and allowed the plane to pull up. Whoa. Like, oh. right above the, I mean, if they'd That's hit the ocean, crazy. that would have been it. Oh, I mean, yeah. no one's going like looking for him in a tropical storm. Right, like, right, Sorry, right. bud. It was nice knowing you. Yeah. And then Star Trek never would have happened. Could you imagine what our world would be like without oh. Star Trek? Just Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> now I feel like I need to smack her. <laughs> I wish you would. I've been dreaming oh. of it this whole time. <laughs> Not okay, no, Caitlin. Sorry. Not sorry. okay at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a good story, though. That was. I mean, all of them were. Were cool. That was my favorite, though. Yeah, yeah. I made it. That's good. <gasps> good job, Jean. <laughs> yeah, right. I wonder... I'm just glad he lived, because I mean, what would the world be like without Star Trek? Well, I wonder yeah, if it would just not be worth living. That experience shaped. That's what I was who wondering he too. Became and was like, well, I gotta get into science fiction now. Yeah. Right. This crazy thing. Yeah. This actually pretty miraculous it's like the like what happens. ifs just you know started going through his head like oh. what if what if you were not above the ocean but out in space what if shit hit the fan we just didn't have star trek in our world i can't even don't imagine that again i mean so many of our inventions don't, don't, and things don't, don't, were don't. all based on star trek poor kayla's like <laughs> i don't know where the fuck we were at christmas we were talking about horses, and now we're fucking talking about what the world would be like without There was, Star like, Trek. a polar bear in there at some point, too. Uh, It'd be a bleak, bleak world, Yeah, Caitlin. it would. It would be a terrible place. This is a... She's like, it's time to end it. <laughs> like, I'm done with you. I hate you both. You're out of here. No. Well, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Click. <laughs> no. I think that's really accurate. Yeah. Those are all great stories. <laughs> there they is a, Like, your whole face has but written across it. <laughs> no, Those are great stories. It does. But no, it what about Christmas episode did you not understand? I'm wearing a Santa hat and I everything. Tried. Okay, I tried. No. She's, She's like, it's fine. I carried us through Christmas. No. <laughs> so, Aww. the drinks were Christmas. The drinks were very tasty. Yeah. And, and Michelle's fancy red glasses from my mm. mom, who yeah. she's had since if she was 18 or they're very nice thing. if you want to see the recipe you can follow us on instagram and facebook I at i should totally be dead right now and you can check out our new website Woo -hoo -hoo -hoo. with all the episodes on it at i should totally be dead right now.com and uh, you can link to our instagram and facebook there as well so um if you have a survival story of yourself or something that you like that we can read on the podcast you can email us at i should totally be dead right now at gmail.com and thank you carrie for coming on yeah. it was a lot of fun i'm impressed that you got all that out thank with you as much Me as too. i've been drinking i know and... um but you can also check out carrie's rescue which was second chance ranch nw.org beautiful and uh, check them out Hope you have a great holiday season, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, gosh. Bye.